There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Walkie Talkies is a presentation of iHeartRadio and the College Athletes Network. Hey, Mo! What's up, Walkie Talkies? You're listening to episode 8 of Walkie Talkies podcast on the College Athletes Network, featured on iHeartRadio with the coolest walk-on in the country. I'm your host, Noah Bono. As always, before we get into the episode, please make sure you are subscribed to the show and maybe even leave a review. Those help the show a ton. They help it get found by other people who may also enjoy hearing stories such as these. So I thank you in advance. Now for today's episode, our guest today is Braden Burke, who has beyond an interesting story as he started his college basketball career on scholarship at Robert Morris in 2017 and then chose to walk on at Michigan State under head coach Tom Izzo for the next three years. Braden left Michigan State after graduating to pursue more minutes in a bigger role and was put on scholarship as a postgrad player at Central Michigan. Due to a life or death situation, he was actually forced to opt out of the rest of that season. And this past season, he enrolled on scholarship to Oakland University and was again forced to opt out due to family emergencies. Now, I'm being brief because I want to let Braden explain that whole story on what happened to him after leaving Michigan State. Also, keep in mind that throughout the episode when Braden refers to his time at Central Michigan, that that's during the 2020-2021 season and his time at Oakland was spent in the summer and fall of 2021 heading into this past 21-22 season. And if you get confused, it's because you skipped that friendly tip. So 
Anyway, aside from that, the episode is jam-packed with talks about Coach Tom Izzo, their conference championships, their Final Four run, beating Zion Williamson and Duke in the Elite Eight, Braden's big-time teammates like Miles Bridges, Xavier Tillman, and Jaron Jackson. Braden goes into depth on his close friendship and relationship with Jaron and how much that's meant to him and how much his relationship with Coach Izzo has meant to him as well. Braden was super open throughout the entire conversation about battling his insecurities when he got to Michigan State and growing up and what the path of being a walk-on in the Michigan state program did for him and just the real life struggle that he had to go through after graduating with himself and within his family he also has really interesting perspective on what it's like to go from being a scholarship athlete to a walk-on athlete and what changed for him within that dynamic it was a really interesting and different thing to hear because normally we go walk on to scholarship but he actually in a sense got demoted or you know demoted himself it's not really a demotion when you go to michigan state but uh just what that dynamic was like really good stuff all throughout the episode so please i ask again be sure to stick around for the full episode to hear my outro to update you on where Braden is at now a few months later even if you have to listen to it in bits and pieces listen have some respect for Braden's story and for my damn podcast i mean seriously you, you think i edit these things to be an hour long on purpose no there's just so much juice in them that they can't be condensed to be any shorter and do you like juice you probably like cranberry juice apple juice grape juice whatever kind of juice whatever you could like any type of juice in the world well there's juice in this episode and that's why i'm saying you can't just listen to the first 10 minutes you got to give it more of a chance just let that thing run in the background while you go do your laundry drive your car whatever the hell you're doing with your day if you're reading a book, then yeah, probably shouldn't listen to a podcast at the same time, but I, I bet many people aren't reading books nowadays. So yeah, let's go. Let's listen to these podcasts, find some inspiration, drink a little bit of the juice, have a good time. You won't regret it. And seriously, I love all my committed listeners that Walkie Talkies currently has, but it really is stories like this that I believe deserve to be heard by even more people. And that's not to negate any of the past episodes that have already come out. All of those stories are just as brilliant as this one. You know, it's just as more and more episodes come out, um, um, for me, at least putting them together, they, they hit harder and harder. So again, if you enjoy this episode, please feel free to pass it along to someone else that you think might enjoy it as well. And with that being said, it is finally time for me to shut the hell up. And here's my full conversation with former Michigan State basketball walk-on Braden Burke. But first, are you are you at another school right now? Because I was online. I saw you were at Central Michigan. Like, I don't know if you're, are you there? No, no so I was supposed to be playing at Oakland this year, but uh just had some stuff happen like about around Halloween where I actually ended up coming home and having to just take a step back from that so I'm not I'm not anywhere right now I'm just at home I'm supposed to be at Central that's where I was hoping to finish grad school but I actually my first year there I got uh, I got COVID like within three weeks of being there and I was actually in the hospital for like three weeks and then uh, I was out for like three months because my heart was all fucked up from like having COVID really bad and then I was going to come back and play there this year. And then like a month after the season, they fired our whole staff. Oh, holy shit, man. That's a roller coaster. I'm sorry to hear that. So I was going to, at the end of the interview, probably kind of go into like a three-stage thing, like Robert Morris, Michigan State, Central Michigan. So if you want to kind of go back into that. Yeah. As we as we get through the interview, that'll be cool. Um, so let's start with the school journey. You've been at three different schools. You started as a scholarship player at Robert Morris. Four. Four. Okay. Stand corrected. Yeah. We'll get, in, we'll get into all that. So four different schools. You started off at Robert Morris your freshman year as a scholarship player, and then you walked on to Michigan State the next three years where you got your degree. And then last year, a brief stint at Central Michigan in a post-grad year before opting out after four games. So we're going to dive into all that. 
uh, piece by piece, we'll go through each school and the journey at each of them. So after your prep year, you averaged 19 points, 12 rebounds, got a scholarship, went to Robert Morris. You ultimately decided to transfer to Michigan State for those next three years. What kind of went into that decision to leave the scholarship and go be a walk-on at Michigan State? Oh, uh, well, I just, I grew up a Big Ten basketball fan. I'm, I'm from like Southern, mid-Southern mid Indiana. And so I grew up an Indiana fan. And then I moved up to Michigan when I was four. And so like, obviously everyone up here is either Michigan or Michigan State. And I, I always enjoyed watching Michigan State. When Indiana would come to Michigan State, I would go, I'd go watch. And uh, honestly, when I, when I got in the portal and everything was happening, I would have never, never thought in the world I would have ended up at Michigan State. Like that wasn't the plan. I just didn't see myself I didn't like how practices were ran. I didn't see myself developing a lot at Robert Morris. It just didn't feel right. And uh, I just didn't like the atmosphere, I guess. It didn't feel family-ish. It was just really kind of messy at the time when I was there. But uh, that was that was the main thing. And then I got in the portal. And then, uh, you know, I had a bunch of, like, everything was mid-major, mid-major, mid-major. And then I got a phone call one day. And it was Dane Fife, the assistant coach at Michigan State. And... Uh, he has a relationship with one of my old, just this uh, older guy that I played AAU for for uh, one year when I was in high school. And uh, I guess they had talked about me. And basically that year, Michigan State, it was 2016. And Michigan State kind of dealt with a lot of injuries that year. And they didn't have a big man that could play. Nick Ward was supposed to redshirt. And he ended up starting almost every game because they had a bunch of guys go down or something. So Five called me and he's like, you know, I talked to so-and-so about you and he said you're a great kid blah blah but like right now at this moment we don't we have Xavier Tillman and Jaron Jackson coming in and we don't have any more scholarships to give out but I think you'd really like it up here we could use you you'd be on scout team you'd help us a lot and you'd eventually have the chance to you know like we have a good history here with uh walk-ons like ultimately going into playing roles you work hard enough and you know I took a I took one visit up there and I instantly knew I mean I got in the car with my mom I was like I'm gonna call them tomorrow and like this is where I'm going and I never even like I was worried about it because you know like paying for college was something I never thought because I, I had like I almost had 20 scholarship offers when I was a senior in high school all all mid-major but I mean I had pretty good options like I was gonna get my school paid for and you know my mom my mom and dad told me like don't worry like we don't want you to worry about that like if, if this is really where you want to go like we we're definitely behind you and so that was kind of how that whole thing happened i took one visit i remember that i walked in instantly met uh, matt mcquade kyle arns and they they were just they i could tell instantly you know, how genuine like they were met coaches did a workout with uh, the ga there at the time and they loved my game and uh, it was way different. It was a whole nother universe going from where I was in Robert Morris the whole spring and winter. And then I come there and I walk in these facilities and it's like, it's just a, it's just a different atmosphere over there. And I felt it instantly. And that's, that's insane. I, don't, I mean, I could put that whole thing out and that'd be the whole story. Like, because Robert Morris, like it's in Pittsburgh. I, I kind of know a little bit about it. Um, but did you ever go in there with the idea of like, I'm going to earn a scholarship here. You were kind of content with like, you know, I'm going to be a walk-on and kind of see what happens. That was definitely the end goal because I felt like I was under-recruited in high school. Like I had talked to a lot of big time schools when I was in high school, like really my sophomore year. And then they kind of, it kind of faded off into like more mid-majors. But when I was a sophomore and like into my freshman year, I was talking to big 10 schools. Like, you know, I don't think I was the kind of freshman to come in and 
instantly played the Big Ten, but I always thought in my mind that eventually, like as a senior or maybe a postgrad, like I could put in quality minutes at the highest level in college basketball. And that was kind of my goal. I knew it was I knew it wasn't going to be easy, especially the year I was going there. Right. I mean, we had Miles Bridges, Nick Ward, Ben Carter, Gavin Schilling, Xavier Tillman, who never even played that year. We were so deep with big men. Man, that's and, crazy. Uh, so I knew it was going to be developmental. And, you know, I was just so the whole I want. And another thing I left out about the Robert Morris, I didn't I wanted more of like the whole college experience. Right. Like Robert Morris, it was there was only like 5000 kids there. It was kind of like it was in Pittsburgh, but it was like 20 minutes out. So you weren't really in a city. You were kind of just in like it felt like this ghost town that was an outskirt of Pittsburgh. And like Michigan State, I just it was like the whole college experience and everything like it, I mean, it of, sounds like an absolute no-brainer to go there, yeah. even though you had to pay for tuition. So something I want to kind of further touch on is, because um, I know you had a teammate, Jack Hoiberg, who's the son of Fred Hoiberg. He coaches at where you, Nebraska. Nebraska, right? Where, where where he used to be at? He was at Iowa State, and then he went to yeah, the he Bulls was at for Iowa a little State, bit. And then he was the Bulls. Yep. Right, so you had him as a teammate, and the year that uh, Xavier Tillman left for like the NBA in the middle of the year, they gave him that scholarship um, just for the remainder of that year. So you've had like some good walk-on teammates. And like you just mentioned before, Michigan State has kind of a good rapport with walk-ons. That was kind of their pitch to you. So what is it about you know, Michigan State that makes their rapport with walk-ons, uh, the energy they give walk-ons? What is it about them that you know, makes it good, makes it healthy and positive for uh, a guy like you and, and Jack? Yeah, um, it really, once I got over my own mental thing of being a walk-on, like, when I got there, I think it was more in my head. I was like telling myself I belong because I can't ever recall one time in three years I was at Michigan State where my teammates, coaches really did anything or said anything or acted in a way to make me feel less of myself. Like I was a walk on. Like it was just like I said, as soon as I stepped in the doors, it just everyone was so welcoming, so, so supportive and honestly everyone just wants everyone there to succeed. And I think anyone who's ever been around the program, like they'll tell you everything that uh, coach Izzo does the stuff he's built there it's it's genuine it's it's wholesome it's very family oriented and that that helped a lot like I said I never I never really felt like a walker on like I was in practices I was getting reps with the twos like I obviously played scout team but like I I was competing and there was days you know like where I'd go in and talk to DJ who's our assistant coach and also the bigs coach he was like you were you were one of the best bigs on the court today like and like they would they would say these things and like I mean, and it was so like, I think just the people and the atmosphere just made it. I never felt less of myself or I never, I never really felt like a walk on. It was really just my own personal, like mental state of like, man, like I'm a walk on like, but once I kind of got over that after like the first, the first year, like it was, and then ever since then it was, it was good. You kind of put this little narrative into your own head about being a walk on. Was that from like talks that you've heard about walk-ons or was that from like, you know, just something that built up that made you feel like, oh, like I'm a walk-on, I'm maybe lesser. Like I got, like you're saying, you had to get over this. You had to get past this mental barrier for yourself. Like where did that, where did it even come from? Just, I've always kind of, I, I'm not so much anymore, but when I was 18 and 19, which is around the time this was happening, I was 19 when I went to Michigan State. I really, I really cared too much about what other people thought. So it was kind of that thing, like, oh, uh, like my peers, like the students at Michigan State and like the people back home. Cause you know, obviously I'm from a small town. So it was a big thing when I was going to a D1 school and then everyone heard like, oh, he's going to walk on like, 
it was just kind of that. It was just me, me thinking people were thinking less of me, like, like mm. people back home or like friends or outsiders. It was just kind of my own fault, honestly. But I think that's where it kind of came from. Comes with being young. Like I, when you're talking about being 18, 19, I was insecure about the exact same thing. Like, oh, my hometown, yeah. people are going to think like, well, he's only a walk on. So as if that, you know, negates yeah. the fact that I'm still a part of a division, division one program. Like, yeah. So what you would say, like that family oriented environment and just the way that they all embraced you when, like, once you got there, that was kind of the ultimate, like, all right, I don't really give a shit what these people back home think. Like, what was the moment where it was like, okay, I'm no longer insecure about this. Was it you growing up a little bit? Was it being there for a couple of years? Like what ultimately helped that? Yeah, I think it was just definitely growing up had a big part of doing like to do with it. But uh, also, yeah, just like the time, like developing over time, like, like I said, in practices, like I really, I really got in my head that I could like I belong. Like once I felt like I belonged, like basketball wise there, like there wasn't really anything anyone could tell me that was not there on a daily basis. Like if you're not in those practices every day, if you're not taking the trips, you're not doing the walkthroughs, watching the film, like people really don't know like what's going on between the walls of an arena, like when the games aren't on. So I just, I just, like I said, I felt so comfortable there. The coaches were really encouraging and my teammates were really encouraging. And, you know, like I said, that boiled up to me, like just getting in my head, like, okay, I belong here. Like I felt I held weight on the team because of like how I practiced and how like our scout team was pretty good there the years i was there <laughs> i mean when you got a footer in the paint it's yeah. probably hard to be bad uh, you got a lot to work with so which is awesome i mean so when you were there you know you just you made mention of one of your coaches saying you know Braden, you were the best big in practice today like you were obviously competing now you're competing against xavier tillman and jaron jackson you know obviously some really elite five-star talent but Aside from that helping your game and that making you a better basketball player, like, was there ever, in your opinion, any really good opportunity for you to maybe actually get on the court there and compete for some spots, compete for a small amount of minutes, even though you had the walk-on title? And even though those, you know, uber-talented, now NBA players were the guys you were battling? Yeah, my last year there, I never really, I don't really know the answer. It kind of, I kind of left me wondering a little, but I mean, my last year there, we really didn't have a solid five because we had X running the four and Nick Ward had left early for the NBA. So uh, that whole year we kind of had, uh, we were going between, you know, Thomas Kithier, Julius Marble, Marcus Bingham. They probably all started like between Marcus and Tommy and Malik, Malik Hall. Uh, we were flipping those so much and like really no one really ever stood out to the coaches and no one really ever stood out in practice especially that year like I mean there was days where I was good I, I could play and I, I just remember I remember specifically the Michigan game at Michigan my last year and then home against Illinois because we had Kofi Cockburn coming in that you know I met with coaches and BJ before the game and they're like you know be be ready like because at the time like if X gets in foul trouble or Julius or like we're gonna throw you in there to like to bang with him because we, we were comfortable with you doing it so just be ready and you know all those all those times that happened it would it would just didn't work out like obviously I would have liked to play but like those games just I was I wasn't needed but like that's kind of like I was definitely on the cups of being in there like they were comfortable they met with me and told me that we're comfortable with you getting in here so make sure you go over the film make sure you read read the scouting reports it's just a little extra today so so you're, you're ready if we do need you that's big time. So you would say, even though 
you know, you go from being a scholarship athlete, the attention is very much on you. You're very much involved in the coaches everyday conversations and practice plans and game plans. But you go over to Michigan State and now you're pretty much bottom of the totem pole. You're just treated great, which is what we would want. But I'm saying that difference that you experienced, like you were kind of 15 minutes a game that year at Robert Morris and it just wasn't what you were looking for. And then you go over to Michigan State and now you're not really a focal point. You're not really probably, like I said, paid attention to as much as you were. So what was that adjustment like for you? Like, was there any adjustment at all? Did you did you take notice in that? Did you not care about that? Like, what were those those differences from scholarship to walk on? Definitely. Like, I definitely didn't notice it. Like, I mean, there was a point where coaches were still learning my name when I was there. You forget. He'd call me Brandon or something like for the first <laughs> couple months. And uh, that I mean, it was also just being young, like going back, thinking about it now. But like, you know, it's it's just hard. I think it's important to just you know anyone going into that situation. You just got to think of the bigger picture, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like you definitely are like obviously like coaches aren't like hyping you up as much as you're used to being a scholarship player, you know, and uh, you kind of got to you got to work extra hard to get noticed, especially as a walk on. And uh, I, I wouldn't say it. It didn't really affect me too much. I mean, there was days where I was like, yeah, obviously, like this sucks, like because I'm, I'm. But uh, and then I would kind of step back, call my parents, or call one of my friends, or anyone. They'd be like, "Well, you're you're practicing against Jaron Jackson every day. Like, it's not it's not going to be easy. Like, you're going to have these days. Like, I remember. I mean, I played in the EYBL, so I, I played against some really good kids. But I just remember practicing against Jaron for that first month, and it was like nothing I'd ever done before. I mean, I went to Robert Morris and. We had, a, we had some senior big men, but I get there and Jaron's 17 at the time. And he's just, he's a full grown man on the court. Like he's, he's whooping everything at the rim. He's, you can't do anything. He's scoring on you. He's strong. He's shooting threes. It was an eye opening, but at the, I kind of took it as a, a grown experience. You know, every day I just kept reminding myself like, you know, iron sharpened iron and I'm practicing against some super sharp swords every day. So no doubt. Man, that's awesome. So you you mentioned briefly about it sucking and like you kind of calling your parents some days. Give me a couple of things like people listening. Tell them why it sucked. Tell them what. Describe like a dog day of being a walk on and just why, you know, sometimes it, it does blow. All right. So my schedule, my first year when I got there, Coach Fife believed in me a lot. He he was a he's a really good guy. So he, he had me on a schedule where I'd be the first one in the gym every day, no matter what. So I would... I was working out my first year at Michigan State at like 6 a.m. every day with our GA. So at Michigan State, if people don't know, it's the biggest acre acre campus in the world. So things are far apart. So I had at 8 a.m. So I work out 6 to 7. I'd walk, walk 30, 40 minutes to class. I'd have like two or three classes, two or three tutors. And by the time, like we'd practice at three every day. So I'd get to the gym around two, get tape or do whatever I was doing before practice. And at state, we would practice for, you know, three hours was expected a regular day of practice. So we, we'd practice, get done at six, watch film for an hour. And then, you know, but it's just the days would be, the days are tough. I mean, it's, it's tough being a division one athlete. And, you know, when you're getting up early to go train and it's pitch dark, you know, that's tough. I was waking up at like five, five twenty, five thirty to get to the gym and have my shoes on. Then I'm going to class. I've never liked school. And the class at Michigan State's a pretty good academic school too. So my classes were tougher. That, that it was just 
the days would get so draining and like We're as a scholarship <laughs> yeah as as like a scholarship player like you kind of have that like a shield almost like because at least when you get the practice you know the coaches might say some good things about you like it's just different it's just different because you're doing all this and in my head sometimes I remember thinking like I was like is this really worth it like because I'm I'm doing I'm go- getting up before anyone I'm going to my classes then I go to practice and then practice you know sometimes I would tell myself I'd be like I'm just a practice dummy like why am I here? Like I would be, they'd be like, Braden, like go over there, set, set some screens and roll to the basket and, uh, you know, po- try to post up as hard as you can. And everyone's doing these reps on the drill. And all I'm doing is, you know, being basically their, their practice dummy. They're hitting me They're I'm, I'm getting them better. And so like just days like that, when I'm tired, you go to practice. And like I say, you don't, I don't have a good practice and I just feel like a practice dummy. And then, uh, and then I'm beat, you're beat by seven o'clock and, you know, you're just sitting in your room. I'd go back to my dorm. I didn't have a roommate my first year. So I'm sitting in my dorm alone, you know, it's just me and my thoughts. And it's just like, God, today was really long. It was not easy. And like, and I would just think to myself, like, what, why, like, why am I here? Like I'm, I'm paying, I'm paying to be here. I'm pain to like go through this every day and it's just it's just kind of just the, the the hard days make it hard i guess i don't know man that was you know i could completely relate to you not the 40 minute walks around campus and the 6 a.m workouts i've gotten blessed with not that but a couple of things i want to bring up is one i think like that monotonous grind that we go through as walk-ons like every single day and you don't get that re- like there's really no reward like you said no one's talking to you in practice you're setting screens, rolling to the rim, people are just hitting you and you're just a practice dummy. And yeah, it's like can really weigh on you mentally. So how did you embrace that role? Like you, there had to come a, had to come a point for you where like, well, this is what it is. I'm either going to quit or I'm going to ride this out and make the most of it. So it was like, you know, you got to make was, a decision. Once I kind of just buckled down and like I said, I just kept going to those 6 a.m. workouts and eventually I was getting pretty good where they're like, all right, like X, you do Braden spot, Braden, you guard X, you get some reps. You know, eventually it eventually turned turned into that. And it was just I think they just saw that, you know, I was I belong there. Like I said in the beginning, like I just kept working hard. And like I said, I kept telling myself, like, it's going to be worth it. Like I'm getting better here doing this stuff better than if I was still at Robert Morris practicing like I was because the talent I'm getting coached better. I'm getting coached by a Hall of Fame coach. I'm going against NBA players every day and you know i just i always try to just keep the long-term goal in my in the back of my head right and so and like i said eventually eventually it came to light but definitely that first year was hard i actually actually got a uh, a triple sports hernia in my first year so there was like a three-month period where i wasn't even practicing my uh my red shirt year Damn. so and that that kind of wasn't honestly that at the time i remember like i was like you know this this isn't bad because when I got there, it was like, man, this sucks. Like all the stuff I said, I'm doing it. And then when the injury happened, it kind of just gave me time to, I got closer with my teammates. I got closer with the people around me. You know, I'm not practicing. I'm talking to the coaches more, but I'd say just what got me through it is just keeping the end goal in mind. Yeah. When you were doing like that kind of thing, and then you finally, the coach says to you like, yo, uh, Braden and Xavier, like switch, you get a couple reps. Like that was probably your own little reward, but you were probably keeping in mind the entire time, like, you just said like the end goal and that was what was helping you ultimately power through those long days that by 7 p.m like you said you're alone in your room with just your thoughts and 
it's like, is what I'm doing really worth it? So was it, was it that self-talk and that the stuff you were feeding your mind was probably positive enough that kind of helped power you through that, especially that first year that. Yeah. It was self-talk and, and the people I had around me, like, you know, my parents were really good. I had, I had a bunch of my high school buddies that went to Michigan state and, you know, I'd, I'd go hang out with them if I, if I needed to, or, I mean, my first, me and Jaren are actually, Jaren's one of my closest friends and uh, me and him hung out a lot. And, you know, he always kind of, I mean, he was only there that one year, but he was definitely the biggest, the biggest role as a teammate in my career at Michigan State because he, you know, he was, he was our, him and Miles were our best player that year. And for him to like, you know, I never met him in my life before and he kind of open arms reach, reach into me and he, you know, I, I never contacted, I would just go back to my room and I kept my own, you know, I've always kind of been a loner. And then I got Jaron calling me like, Hey, you want to go get some food? You want to do something like, or blah, blah, do this, do that. And we, we always, we always talked about, you know, I told him my perspective and my perspective was way different than his perspective. And he was always really understanding. He was always really supportive. Like, uh, you know, like you can, you can do this, like just having good people around me and it, it helped, it made the whole, the whole thing a lot easier. That's awesome. I mean, especially like seeing where Jaron is at right now in his career and for him to kind of like just open up his arms and bring in. But like, I'm sure, you know, those are in-house conversations, but like you and him, like he knew what you were going through, right? Like as a walk on that, obviously you guys probably got to a point where the discussion was like, man, like I'm going through it right now. Like this shit is not easy. I don't know how to make it out. Like, so having him like that big of a presence and, you know, a smart guy like him on your side probably was super super motivating for you but you know he's one of many good teammates that plays in the nba that you've had you played with like we've mentioned xavier tillman um jaron played with cassius winston for a couple of years uh and miles bridges i, don't, I think miles, miles was there with for one or two years with you he was there for one but we played i played on the family with him for two years in high school so i i'd already known miles pretty good and then in that 2019 year, like you guys, you won the Big Ten championship. You went to the Final Four. So I mean, like you were going through it, but like man, like for someone who's in a walk-on position, you're at a Big Ten school. You're being coached by a legendary coach. Like I'm sure now that you're out of the mix a little bit with the walk-on thing. That you know, you're probably looking back. And I don't want to speak for you. I want you to tell me. But I would assume like you're pretty grateful for that experience. Like you get to go to you know Final Four and literally experience yeah, I that. I don't. I don't regret the decision at all. I mean, it was the best three years of my life there. Honestly, it, I grew so much as a so much as a person. I grew a lot as a basketball player. I, uh, like I said, the experiences. I was there for three years. Won the Big Ten three times. Went to the Final Four. Probably was going to go to another Final Four if COVID never happened. Honestly, and uh, yeah, I, it was the best decision of my life. I loved every every bit of it, even the hard times. Like I said, because I I just grew. I know, like you said, like being out of the mix right now. Like I grew so much as a human, and it taught me a lot. You know. Yeah, and that's you know one of the biggest things about the show is like what being a walk on does for you, how it helps you grow in that role specifically because you know you mentioned earlier about you know people are not around they don't know what goes into it like when you're in the thick of it and you know I always just like when I get people on the show like to hear what has helped them grow what has made them who they are because I think that embracing that role of like being super selfless having to work really really hard if not harder than a lot of the scholarship guys and see decreasingly less reward than they see like you know, those are all like 
they battle test you. Those are all moments that, you know, test who you are as a person. But I, I just enjoy like hearing the, you know, you know, you were going through it, but I enjoy hearing what you were going through because like think about how much discipline like that structured regimented yeah, sounds, routine gave it, you. It sounds like depressing almost and like bad. Nah, but man, it, nah, don't think it, of it like that at all. Bro. It honestly, it honestly was like, you know, it was supposed to happen. That's how I look at it. Like it was, I wouldn't be who I am today without it. And I think I'm a just night and day different person from when I got there to when I left. I, you know, I told coaches that when I left, I was like, I thanked them. And I remember our exit meeting because COVID hit and COVID ended and everyone was going to have to go home. So we had like, we had these quick exit meetings about next year. Obviously he was like, you know, there's a real chance for you to be able to play on this team. And, you know, depending on what X does, we'll have a scholarship open and everything. And I was kind of to the point where I, I knew I could play there my last year and it, it probably would have been, you know, like five, 10 minutes a game if I would have stayed. And I, I wanted, I wanted to go somewhere and dominate, you know, I was kind of tired of doing that. I, I just wanted to take what I learned from there and go show the world what, what I'd done. And obviously it didn't, work out that way because of non-basketball related things but uh man um, and i mean like i you know i'm i almost want to say jealous of you like being around that environment because you know who the you know hall of fame coach michigan state storied university you got all the alums coming back draymond green and you know all these big time dudes coming back. i'm 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 only naming him because he's the first guy that came to mind but i know there's you know magic johnson he's not hooping with you guys but i'm sure he's a he's been around so like you know you were in like literally right in the mix of like the heart of college basketball like that's one of the most storied programs ever and i mean it's just i appreciate hearing it because i'm sure like what you're saying like it, it did because I, I look at my walk on experiences in the same light as like, you know, I wouldn't be who I am had I not gone here, then there, then here. Because it really does shape you. Like, you're in the growing phases of like, you start as an 18 year old, and I'm assuming you're what, 23, 24. Like, and you get to this point now, you're reaching like young adulthood. And it's like, man, if I didn't go through that and I, you know, I just stayed at Robert Morris, like, cool, I would have probably got minutes, I'd have probably played, I'd have gotten attention, but like, would I have grown as a person the way I grew at Michigan State? All right, just a quick break from Walkie Talkie's podcast. Stick with us there. There's still so much good stuff to get into. Coming up, Braden speaks on beating Zion Williamson and that loaded Duke team on their way to the Final Four, his relationship with Coach Tom Izzo, and why guys choose to play for him. Coming right up after this quick break. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. 
OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. This is episode eight of Walkie Talkie's podcast on the College Athletes Network featured here on iHeartRadio. Be sure to subscribe to the show and also leave us a review and tell us what you think. And let's get right back into it with former Michigan State walk-on Braden Burke. So a moment to me from a fan's perspective that stands out is that crazy win versus Duke in the Elite Eight when R.J. Barrett got fouled, got to the line, made, missed that first free throw, and then accidentally made the second one. But if he made both, you would have tied it. So what do you remember about R.J. Barrett missing those free throws, that game, Zion Williamson, the Final Four, just the, that whole little run? Yeah, that run, that run was the best time of my life. I mean, that it went by so quick thinking thinking back now but like it was so fun i mean i just remember i remember beating we beat lsu in the sweet or yeah the sweet 16 and then we had duke coming up in the elite eight and i just remember like there was not a time when we knew we were playing duke like no one no one in our locker room thought we were going to lose like we were not going to lose that game it was just it was just like the atmosphere like we were so we were so hot we were we were so well connected, so well coached, uh, so prepared. It's just I just remember, I just remember the confidence we had. I mean, uh, we prepared. I remember the scout teams, the walkthrough, where everything just kind of seemed a little boosted. Like it was like it's it's time. Like this is you know because at the time people were calling it like one of the most talented rosters in college basketball has ever had. I mean, R. J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Zion, like yeah. Trey Jones. It was it was insane. I'm actually helping coach. Uh, high school here because uh, I'm back home and I'm kind of waiting to see my next step but so I'm helping out here and I'm kind of just getting into these guys about the preparation and that's what I learned about at Michigan State and especially during that run because you got you got like two two day turnarounds so like you're preparing for one team while also you're kind of thinking in the back of the mind like okay like we're gonna have to start preparing and it's definitely different when you're on scout team because you know obviously it's a tournament like I'm not worried about playing I just I'm not worried about going in I'm like I'm not gonna I don't have to worry about playing but I was on the scouts so like we're, we do walkthroughs and in practice we do them in the hotels the lobbies like we do them like three or four times a day I just remember I was like our scout team coach was like we got to be on our p's and q's and I just remember everyone was locked in we're having great practices it was just it was just crazy like I said just the comments I never never felt like we were going to lose that game and then honestly <laughs> I was on the bench during that game but like I it's it's a, literally it's a, blur. a blur I remember I remember the end like it was people coaches is crying everyone's jumping around we we're we we're on the podium 
and it was just like that that single moment was like every that was that was definitely the moment where it was like it was maybe not the it wasn't definitely the only one but it was definitely the most significant moment i was like yeah this was this was the right move i mean it was we freaking we we get on the bus and go home and we we come home that night and it's we get home at like three in the morning they tell us to go out look at the brez and we walk in the brez and they have a stage put up it's three in the morning arena's packed i mean there are people oh, just man. screaming yelling there's people the whole floor is covered not an empty seat in the arena and everyone's just yelling just it, it was a it was a madhouse during that that, and that's what you, that's what we do it for is to hopefully experience moments like that. So and being you know we, we've I've mentioned Tom Izzo a couple of times. And I'm sure people are listening or wondering why I haven't asked about him yet. But just talk about him and his philosophy. You know, obviously he's a great coach and his players speak so highly of him. And there is that family oriented like culture there that he has created. So just whatever comes to mind, like how Tom Izzo was to you as a coach and what he did for you during your time at Michigan State. Yeah, coaches, uh, coaches was, I, I was excited to go there because I knew his kind of coaching style was kind of what I was striving. Like I, I needed someone to push me. I needed someone to yell at me to kind of get me in an extra gear. I've always, I was always like that. So, you know, coaches, he's got, he's got this rep, you know, you see when we were in the tournament that one year, when he yelled at Aaron Henry, you know, he's on the news. Cause he was, was going to ask his, you about that next. <laughs> he, yeah. He was yelling in his face. And then the other year there's that Gabe Brown thing, but like it goes along the lines of like, people don't see what happens on the, like when the camera's not on, like, mm-hmm. you know, we have that relationship that, that, that stuff that they put on the camera. That's like, that's like every day. That happens every day. That happened every right. single day like, that's what i was gonna say to you is like you got a guy like tom Izzo. like obviously he's ferocious and he's a great coach and he's high energy like the shit that they were seeing in the game or on tv like you guys are used to that and they made a big deal about it on the media because they don't see it all the time but like that's just how he is as a coach it's no knock on him it's just that's his personality that's how it is and i remember when i was getting recruited from robert morris like they tell you these things before you're there like the people that go there and play for coaches will go there because they want to be coached like that. You know, it's not, he's, he's not, he's not sugarcoating anything in the process. Like, Oh, you're going to come here. We're going to, we're going to treat you really nice. You might get yelled at once or twice, but you know, we're going to be really nice to you. It's not, it's not like that. It's, it's more of the, I'm going to push you harder than you think you can be pushed and it's going to make you a better person and player because of it. And it's kind of, it's kind of that thing. And, you know, if, if anyone had a problem with how he was, you know, like coaching them, like he was open, you know, his, he always told us, he's like, my office is open. Come talk to me. Like every, we had like a really open floor there. So like, if you had a problem, you got yelled at in practice or at a game, you didn't like it. He's be like, come talk to me. We'll talk about it. But you know, coach that just coaches just, you know, he, he has a special way of getting the most out of people. And I think the intensity and yelling is just, you know, it's a small part of it. But, you know, what I was going to say is people don't see like how personal coaches is like I had a close friend of mine pass away my uh, my second year at Michigan State. And I remember how it happened. And like when I found out I went to I talked to my trainer, I was I was not good. But I just remember instantly getting out of the training room and I didn't even think it was physically possible for him to find out this quick. But boom. Coaches calling my phone first, first person to call my phone before I could talk to my parents. And you know he's and he was just 
just so open like i'm here for you like come talk to me if you want to stay at my house like come stay at my house like you you want to go do something like we can go do things like he's so he cares about people a lot and i also think that's another reason why why people like you can take that coaching like if that was if that was his kid if he was yelling at his kid like that i don't think people would think it was as crazy as what they think it is but like he thinks of it as like we are his kids like we're he always told us every day this program's the most important thing in his life and you know obviously the players are a big part of it so he cares about us and uh you know he's just so he's so personable you know he called me this year like twice i've talked to him he, he calls me still to this day you know wondering how oakland was wondering blah 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 what how central was when i left when i told him i want to get in the portal he's he was my agent i i have uh i have this voicemail that i remember him leaving me i missed his call and he's like you know i'm out here working i, I need some agency fees from you know he's out there calling coaches like selling trying to sell me like you know really helping me out he cares about people you know and uh you know it's pretty crazy i don't think he's ever had a player not graduate that's ever been there and i don't know a lot of coaches especially at that level can say that about people but every player that he's ever had he's never had a player not graduate in his years and uh, he, he just cares about people he wants them to be better people when he wants you to be better from when he got you. And like I told him, like he accepted me as a 19 year old kid and I left a 22 year old man. Like I really feel like that. And he was a big part of it. And just his, just the, the his outlook on basketball really shaped like my outlook on the game, but in life, just, you know, how to deal with adversity, how to deal with certain things and how hard you really have to work to be successful. That all comes from what Coach Izzo talks about every day. Man, shout out Coach Izzo because I've always been a fan, but hearing it from a perspective of someone who's so fresh out of the program, like I only like him even more now because, you know, it's easy to separate. Like it is it, like if you can understand where he is coming from and you take all those good things that he said, then when he has a couple rough moments that are directed at you, you just take it. It's just like it is what it is. Like I know deep down how this man feels about me, what our relationship is. So it sounds like you two, um, speaking of you and Tom Izzo, Coach Izzo like had a good good relationship as a walk on and a coach, regardless of the, the scholarship thing. Like it sounds like you guys really, you know, he he still hits your phone, like really cares about you. So I mentioned you had all these, you know, pretty for the most part positive experiences, um, even through the ups and the, and the downs and the and the bad stuff that you kind of went through. That was, or I should say, harder stuff that you went through. Um, if there's one thing that you could think of, what what is maybe the worst thing? that happened to you as a walk-on the worst thing uh I, th I, th I think the worst thing I think the NCAA actually changed this though but I remember my uh when I because my first year I was redshirted so I because of the transfer so I couldn't travel anyways but my second year like we had we had a big team so we had like 19 players or whatever and so some of the games, like, we had to choose, like, the walk-ons who we had to rotate who could travel and who couldn't. And just little things like that kind of sucked. It'd be like, damn, I'm, I'm doing everything, but I can't even go on. I can't even go with the team because the NCAA limited how many people you could travel with yeah. and sit on the bench. So uh, just little things like that. But, I mean, honestly, like, I don't have a lot. I don't have much bad to say about the whole experience, you know. I would hope not. I, I when I ask that question to people, I, I honestly pray that they say nothing, that they say like, yeah. no, no, nothing bad happened to me. But I mean, unfortunately, there's plenty of places people that have where people have walked on at where, you know, they don't get to suit up on their last ever game day because of COVID or, you know, I've heard some weird shit 
bad shit interviewing people that I don't really like. But I mean, as you were explaining kind of the system at Michigan State, I kind of figured that it wouldn't be anything too big. I mean, I, you know, you don't want to miss out on the trips and whatnot, but no, my last year there when I, I, cause I had one more year, it was the COVID year. I remember we're talking to coaches. They were about the, like, they always made sure, like, we had a walk on kind of, he would start the walk on. So the last game of the season, like, you'd start and have a big senior day. I mean, it was fun. What a I vibe, I mean, bro. I got to get, I think, damn, I think, that's a vibe. I think everyone uh, kind of had a good experience because I remember because I had that extra year, but I had been talking to them, like, I think I want to go somewhere else next year. So they're asking me, they're like, do you want to, do you want to start this game? Do you want to have your senior night tonight? And I remember them having, having that conversation with them, which at the time I told them, no, I don't want it. Cause I was going to come back and then every, everything happened the way it was, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, that, that, that never happened there to anyone. I don't think. So what do you think, you know, as a three-year walk-on, what do you think of walk-ons in general? I know we talked about in the beginning, you kind of had a little bit of a barrier to get yourself over, but do you think there's more of a positive or a negative stigma around them and just, you know, how you feel about us walk-ons in general? Uh, I mean, I think in the inner basketball community, like if you go to division one schools or whatever, like a good division one school that has a good culture, like the stigma around walk-ons is really positive. Like they're very valuable. Like, like I said, we, there was days in practice, we were cooking the ones and twos on scout team. We're scrimmaging, we're up, we're up by 10, 15 and coach has to blow the whistle and he's cussing out these guys because we're just hooping like it can be a very valuable thing to a basketball team. And I think people outside may, they just don't know. They just don't know how it, how it really is. Like, I feel like they think like <laughs> these, like these walk-ons aren't like real basketball players, almost like not real basketball players, but just are some bums off the street that are, they're getting ran over these guys by these guys in practice every day. But it's really not like that. You're really like helping these guys get better. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a great thing to be walking. Like I said, it made me a better person and sculpted my, my thoughts and how I view everything way differently is from if I would have stayed at Robert Morris or transferred to another mid-major and been on scholarship, I would be a, I don't know. I feel like I would have took, taken me a little longer to grow up and mature. And, uh, no, I, I, I think it's a really positive thing. So when you say you feel like it sculpted your thoughts and it helped you, like what it like what about being a walk-on what about that everyday grind was like the catalyst in just you know just the whole thing about this you know work ethic like like it's a it's an everyday thing like i don't want to say i was entitled as a scholarship player but you definitely have a little bit of entitlement you feel like you know you're kind of up on it because these coaches they're recruiting you like they're they're putting you on this podium they're like oh you're gonna do great like i remember Coach Tuller more said to me these letters with my face on the NAC Player of the Year trophy. Like, you're kind of getting put on this podium. And then as a walk-on, you know, you got to work to get that shit. You got to work to get compliments. You got to work to do all these things and prove yourself. And uh, I think I'm really hardworking and I'm kind of more of a – I'm kind of a light at the end of the tunnel thinker now. And I before I wasn't, I was like – I was just so quick, quick to give up on things and quick to – quick to get down on myself, quick to do all these other things. And I think being a walk-on, you know, it really, it made me tougher mentally. It made me, it just made me a better person. Just, it's just different. It's hard to explain really, unless you go through it. Yeah. I understand your lingo. (laughs) Um, I know, you know, people who don't go through it and 
they kind of just look at us as like practice dummies. But, you know, from that outside lens, like it is hard to understand, like when all you hear is, oh, well, they just, you know, they're just on the team and they just practice. Yeah. Twitter also sucks about nowadays being a walk on, especially at like Michigan State or like a school that has like, you know, I would get someone, someone from my high school would just like send me, send me a tweet. Someone would tweet about me or something, you know, that that part that just makes it a whole lot worse but it's kind of funny but yeah people like just, something people negative no yeah you know like oh so and so and so can't like marcus bingham sucks his days might as well throw braden Bur- i don't know just some some <laughs> crap like that or i remember mm. when i uh entered the portal from michigan state for my grad year uh the first coach that called me was uh he was like yeah uh we're really interested. Obviously, you played, but like we we don't really know about your skill set. Like we haven't seen you. There's no film on you. So I instantly I called our video guy at Michigan State. I was like, I need the practice film from this year. I need I need everything. And I and I tweeted I tweeted out the the practice like a two minute twenty second just clips from practice that year of you frying <laughs> Jaron Jackson, <laughs> Ryan people, and it, it blew up instantly. Barstool Sports posted it and everything. Oh, like, for real. I probably, like, saw, I probably saw it. I probably just don't remember. I had like 150,000 views on my Twitter. It went Damn. crazy. And that that really helped my process a lot. But yeah, and then, but I think, you know, like the guy, I was on the phone with the guy from Barstool and they were just like, it's really, it's just a really cool way to, you know, show people that like you're really out, you're really out here playing. You know, that, that was, that was a cool moment, even though. Yeah, no doubt. Know. I do this thing with the show sometimes. Um, I call it the wow moment. It's just stands for walk on watch and i'll try to like find something that someone did a walk on did in a game and try to put it out there post it just for people to see um and i honestly was like i was thinking about doing it with my own practice highlights because i've had like i just had some moments this year where i'm like man if i jumble these clips together like people are gonna think oh shit like that's a walk-on um but no i think it would be cool for all walk-ons to do that and just like post their shit if you're on the scout team you're getting you're definitely getting in you are definitely getting some reps in and probably throughout the course of a 30-game season having some good moments. Okay, one last break, but seriously, don't go anywhere. You've come this far. The penultima of the episode is coming up. Braden will get into the last phase of his journey on attending Central Michigan and Oakland and why he was forced to withdraw from them both in each of the last two years. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. 
I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. We're back on Episode 8 of Walkie Talkie's podcast on the College Athletes Network, featured on iHeartRadio. Again, be sure to subscribe to the show and also leave us a review and tell us what you think. Now let's bring back in former Michigan State walk-on, Braden Burke. Um, only a couple more questions for you. I just want to talk about that last part of your journey. Uh, you graduated from Michigan state and you transferred for a graduate post-grad year to central Michigan university. Uh, you only played in four games last year before you decided to opt out. Um, what ended up kind of happening with that situation and, uh, where are you currently at now, uh, with your basketball career? Yeah. So I, uh, decided to go to central through the whole portal thing which the whole portal thing kind of sucked at the time because it was during COVID and couldn't visit couldn't go see any of these places so that was a big big reason why I chose Central is because they were, they offered me in high school and I already visited there I kind of knew the head coach I knew the assistant and I kind of felt just comfortable there so I chose to go there and uh yeah I was got there in like early August and by August 20th I caught COVID and then it kind of started as like, uh, you know, stay in your room, stay away. You'll be good in like seven days. We'll come check on you again. You'll be good kind of ordeal. Seven days goes on and I'm having hallucinations when I'm sleeping. I'm having like my thermometers reading like 106 degree fevers. I'm in my room and I'm, I'm spitting up probably a water bottle full of blood a day. And I was like, this isn't this is like they kept telling me like, it'll go. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Eventually, I, I called my trainer. I was like, I don't know if you want to help me, but I'm going to the hospital. I'm checking into somewhere like this is not normal. And so, yeah, we went and checked in. And, yeah, they put the thing on my finger, touched my, uh, test my O2 levels that day. And they were, like, almost dead. Like, I was almost dead standing there. I didn't even know I was, like, in the 60s. People don't know your O2s need to be in the hundreds, like, for a normal person. So I wasn't breathing good. I had a 106 degree fever when I checked in and my O2s were deadly. So they instantly put me in an ambulance, took me to a hospital like an hour away. And I stayed in there for almost three weeks and thought I was going to die. And it was, it was a big ordeal. Eventually they came in and I was one of the first testers, test dummies of the, the antibodies that was really early in COVID. And I let them, you know, basically inject a bunch of antibodies at me to try to save me and it did it it helped and it worked and I got out of there but I had an enlarged heart from being in there for so bad and having such bad fevers so I couldn't play for I couldn't do anything until my heart cleared those scans and that was in August when all this happened and they didn't clear those scans until November so then November happens and I haven't moved an inch since August like I'm in my bed I've sweated I lost I lost 50 pounds I was almost 200 I went in the hospital 250 I was almost I was almost sub 200 when I got out so this is November and so they basically asked me like, well, like, do you want to try to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I want to help this team. I want to, I want to play. 
So I work out, I work out for like four weeks and then I try to play in our first games and I do, but like at the time, like they were still like, I mean, I, I met with the board of the NCAA, like they said, I had the worst case in, at a, any student athlete in the country that they know of. And uh, so they were really observing me, making sure I was okay to play. And one of the first things we were doing was like, you can roll 10 minutes a game, like for, like for 10 games, like that's, that's your limit. Like we're going to, I had a heart monitor on at all times. Like we're going to take this thing slowly. And so like, we did that for like, like you said, I was in there for like four games doing that kind of thing. But like at the, this whole time think when this is happening, I'm like, I don't feel good. still. like I, something's wrong with me still. And so I go to, back to the doctors and this is, this is early December. Like we're like four games in, go back to the doctors and I tested positive for mono. I had mono. So at that point, it's when I opted out because it was an automatic four, four to five weeks stay away. And it's, it's going to be another month and a half of doing nothing and then trying to work back and playing these games against division one athletes who have been training all year. And I'm in here trying to just get my wind up and get my stride. It was frail, had no strength, lost all my strength, all my conditioning. And so at that point I was like, I'm opting out and, you know, I'll think about coming back for the COVID year, but like, there's no absolute, no way I could have played the rest of that season. Uh, so that's what happened in that. And then I was called them and I was like, yeah, I want to come back. Let's get it in this off season. I came when everyone left for central. And so I was there for like a month and a half working out in the off season. This is like April. And then get a phone call randomly one day. They're like, my assistant, they recruited me there. And he's like, they just fired all of us. Like we're gone, like blah, blah. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, the AD, we got a new AD and they had a couple, you know, rough seasons back to back. And she, she fired our whole staff and then the new staff comes in and uh, I meet with them. Didn't, wasn't very comfortable after my talks with the new staff, how they were going to play, how they were going to use me, what they thought, didn't think it was going to be best for me. So I ended up leaving there and ultimately I had to get a waiver from the NCAA to play this year so I and that that was a that was a whole nother process that was that was a crazy process just trying to get this extra year waiver because I had the extra year to play but because I'd already used my transfer I couldn't instantly play but I only had one more year to play so we basically I had to go in front of the NCAA board and like plead my case so like this is what happened to me last year I had COVID almost died couldn't play and now my whole coaching staff gets fired and this, these new people, like, it's not going to work. Like I need a new school. Like, let me go to a new school. So that got cleared and I committed to Oakland and then, uh, Oakland, oh, the, there's some family, my dad got really sick and there's just a bunch of stuff happening. And it just, I ended up opting out before the season because, because of some family, basically family issues. My dad was severe. He was in a coma. He was very sick. And this was during I got to Oakland in September because it wasn't till like the end of August. Like I, I got my transfer papers from Central in like April or we, it was like it was it was before June because I was with Jaron the whole month of June in in Arizona, and I had I had had the papers before then. So it was not until August that they cleared me to be eligible to think about playing. So I had to find somewhere quick, and Oakland was like. Oakland, they were my first scholarship offer out of high school. And they were like, we don't have any big men. Uh, we don't really know if we're going to need a big man, like how we play. But like, if you want somewhere to come, you know, try this out, blah, blah. So I ended up going there. And then, you know, with my dad being sick and everything at home and 
how it was shaping up. They played a lot of small ball. I wasn't really going to be used. I hate, I had to switch my, I finished my one year at school at Central, but I had to switch my major because they didn't have it at Oakland. So I wasn't going to be getting my master's or anything. And then just with my dad being sick, I kind of just wanted to be home and be around everyone. And it just wasn't worth it. So here I am now. Uh, my dad is good now and everything's good. And I'm trying to trying to figure out what I want to do next. I'm thinking uh, I might go back to Michigan State and be a GA next year. Man, let me first off start by saying, like, I'm sorry to hear that you had to go through all that from the COVID stuff to your dad. It was and all it was the transfer in, stuff. Like, man, I'm sorry to hear all that, but I'm glad that your pop is doing better and that you are healthy as well, man. That is that's crazy. That is that it was, probably was it was insane, man. It was honestly everything happened so quick. Like I went from I was on a super high, high horse when I committed to Central because I was like, it's my time. Like, I'm going to go here. Right. I'm going to I'm going to average 15 and 10. Like, I'm going to play because I ultimately wanted to play overseas. Like, I you know my coach at Michigan State, DJ, he's still trying to get me to he wants me to come get in shape and then go try to play somewhere. And I, I, I want to. And that was my goal. Like I said, I was on a high horse. I was like, I'm going to prove to people it's in my home state. People are going to be able to come to my games. You know, Central's a good school. And then. It just we hadn't even had a team practice or anything yet. You know, it was it was August. I literally got there in August and just boom, I'm in a hospital. I'm freaking 200 pounds. It it was it was bad, man. And yeah, and a lot of people. That was another thing. Like people people just saw that I opted out and like kind of left. But like no, unless you're in my family or you know my coaches at Michigan State. And it was another thing about coaches. Though, like when I when he I don't really know how he heard I was in the hospital. Probably from my teammates that were still there. But I mean he he called me before, not not to throw any shade at Keno Davis or anyone at Central, but. He was the first one. He called me before Keno called me and checked how I was doing. You know, coaches called me crying. He was in tears on the phone because he heard I was in the hospital. And so that just shows, you know, he does care about people a lot. And But, yeah, that, that whole situation was just so insane. Man, I, I hope you're kind of back up. I hope the roller coaster is going back up for you and like you're not yeah it's good i mean at oakland i actually got in the i ran the fastest mile time i ever ran in my life this this uh this fall at oakland when we did our conditioning test so i definitely got back into shape and good what would you run you get under a a five yeah i ran a 540 damn good for you bro that's big time man that is you stumped me bro i I, like i'm you know i got sympathy for what you went through i feel terrible that you had to grind through all that um i'm first like I said, happy that your your dad is better, you're better, um, and that you're you know on the come up trying to figure it out. You know, I saw I saw you do some music engineer stuff, and then you mentioned um, you know maybe wanting to take a grad assistant position at Michigan State. So you know, you take these three options: coaching, music, or playing overseas. Where do you feel like you're kind of leaning the most right now out of those three? Music. Uh, it's it's funny. It's Music is what I think I want to do deep down and what I'm really passionate about now. But uh, basketball kind of seems like the safer route to me just because that's what I know. And it's I've done it my whole life and I have endless connections in it from obviously being at Michigan State. But like I, I didn't I've always been a really big fan of music. I've played the guitar my whole life. My dad was a my dad was a country singer when I was younger and it's always been a big thing, but when the COVID hit, they sent us home and Jaron called me. He's like, come stay with me during the, the COVID break, dude. Like we don't got nothing to do, blah, blah, either. So I go down to Memphis, I'm staying with Jaron and uh, 
he's like that's how we really connected too is we were both love music a lot and uh he's like i've been i've been like low-key going to the studio and rapping bro and i was like i was like and he played me the stuff i was like this this sounds crazy like this sounds like some stuff i'd hear on the radio and he's like yeah like cool so he ended up taking me to the the studio when we went there and that's that's the first time i ever even heard of a music engineer and uh i got really close with his engineer and like the month i stayed there with him he kind of put me on stuff i came home from that instantly like i bought this laptop i'm on right now i bought everything and just kind of dove into it and you know i, I kind of fell in love with it pretty fresh for you then it's pretty new to you oh yeah it's not even been like i said it's probably a year and a half now damn that's awesome it's always cool to like switch up you know you go from basketball and now all of a sudden you're pursuing another passion that you probably didn't even think you would would be doing um yes so that's awesome um damn bro I, i'm like i'm just stuck on what you just told me man i feel so bad like like that shit is crazy man yeah, you really it's, fucking it's, were in, uh, the, in the in, a, in the gutter like you had to climb out i mean yeah and that kind of just goes along i think that kind of helped shape me too just perspective wise and like everything but i think you know like i said i'm just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel like i can still like my goal at michigan state was to ultimately get a degree and be in a spot to you know make money from playing basketball like and i still like i've, I've been talking to uh overseas scouts and everything like people still think i can play and i could still definitely play it's just a, a fact of me doing it I think more, but, it's more you think it's more mental for you now like getting back on the court, kind of trusting your body, trusting, you know, that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was very tough. Like even being at when, when I got to Oakland, because I bet I, I, I didn't do 20 practices at central that whole year. Like I had less than 20 practices. So like, if you think about it, like in COVID losing 50 pounds, gaining 50 pounds back again, like all this stuff, like getting like losing all, like my bench press when I got back to Oakland was less than my, when I left from Robert Morris, like I'd worked so hard and, to you know get in this shape get like when i when i got to michigan state i was like 225 i left like 245 and like just a lot day and night stronger and i worked so hard to do all this and then to see it go like this but you know oakland oakland was i know i don't regret going to oakland i kind of kind of wish it would have worked out a little better but they they did help me a lot too because i kind of got into practicing and like right at the end before i ended up you know not, not not being there anymore but i was starting to see like like and the coaches were telling me it was like you know like you're you still got it and it's just kind of that thing like i haven't played like a live five on five game in fucking two years probably like it's just it's just so it's so different and not being on that schedule anymore like of every day like every day workout lift every day workout lift workout lift workout lift like i'm not no one's telling me to do that and i don't really have a reason to do it so so yeah, it's making, I don't know. it's making it harder. The biggest thing, bro, because I, I had a had a nine month back injury that kept me out. And like what I learned during that was like like what you said, nobody is there telling you go lift at this time, go practice at that time. Like you had such great discipline and like such a great routine every single day for three years. And then when we get to kind of, you know, fuck off like on our own time, like it's so easy to just do nothing. Yeah. Um, but really probably just comes down to like you deciding what you ultimately want to do like if your heart's in it and you really want to play i'm sure you're a dog you'll get back in the gym get back in the weight room and really start like locking in on the work again but it just comes down to like that decision of like what do i really want to do yeah there's just a part of me that uh you know you you're only going to be like i'm not going to be able to play pro when i'm 50 you know so like 
there's a part of me that feels like my opportunity was stripped of me but at the same time it's like I still I still can do it it's just like I, I want to do it now while I can you know like at least say I tried no doubt man because like that's that's just the that's just the biggest thing that's kind of keeping me interested in this is you know having people like coaches and dj from state calling me and they're like if you if you like want to play like and that's kind of why i want a ga there because i ultimately we uh they'd let me play on scout team when i when i go back up there in ga yep. so I'd, I'd i'd get to do that and kind of get back into shape and hopefully you know build another tape and send it out to some scouts or something but yeah i honestly, definitely feel like i have unfinished business from uh in a basketball standpoint it's just you know kind of getting back in that atmosphere i think is the most important thing so the oakland thing was this past august what you were describing so you've been out of the mix kind of since yeah, the summer i know I, I i was at oakland i was at oakland until about halloween right before the game started i was there all preseason okay practicing every day that's like when, going oh yeah i was in i was in good shape i was back in okay good shape. it's only been about two months i've been out of it now all right i mean so you're not like entirely out of it i mean you just i, I no. would look at it as like a good little break a good i mean not that you didn't already have yeah a sort of a break but that break sounded like it wasn't really like you weren't able to i was like sitting around chilling yeah oh no, yeah you couldn't be chilling your your mind was probably in a thousand different places so at least now you get to kind of center yourself and really figure out what you want to do. But I think going to Michigan State, getting back in that really good environment that you were in and, you know, getting that tape, you wouldn't even have to go burn that last year eligibility if you didn't want to. You'd get enough tape with where you're at right now and probably go overseas just based off of that and, like, some of yeah. your history and your career plus the fact that you're seven foot. Like, you're probably a hot commodity for a lot of te- a lot of teams overseas for sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for sharing that, sharing it to me and the people listening, whoever is listening, because that takes a lot to open up about that. Like we, you know, especially come on a random podcast and you share that. So I appreciate you, you know, being open, being honest and just telling me your story, man. That's that's some real, real shit that shows people like that the real like that's real life and that's what COVID life hits you fast man life hits you fast man that's what covid's been doing to people and families and you know you you show perseverance you show grit strength and um you know that's what the show's about man just like hear people's mindsets hear their mentalities and you know you hear someone go through the stuff that you've been through like that like that's no bullshit that's some real ass like trials tribulations hard shit that you had to really power through like life or death so i do thank you for sharing that um all right well bro that'll wrap up this episode with Braden burke i appreciate you know you like i said man coming on the show start sharing that story like just everything your whole journey man from robert morris all the way to where you're at now four schools later i've been to three colleges so i kind of understand you know a sense of what the transferring was like for you but you know the other stuff man i, I wish you nothing but the best and nothing but good health and uh you know i look forward to keeping in touch with you, my man appreciate you coming on appreciate it bro okay and that's a wrap crazy stuff really good stuff really good perspective and inside info on michigan state and that historic program and just the gratitude from brayden on what the journey did for him as a man as a hooper and just in life in general how much being a walk-on actually helped shape him and his life uh in early adulthood i thought it was really interesting and fun to hear you know how much respect he has for walk-ons and his time as a walk-on because he understands what it did for him uh, and just a brief update on Braden since the recording of this episode took place about two, two and a half months ago. 
He is currently looking to pursue his passions for music and continuing to climb that ladder within the music industry. He's actually also been back in the gym training and is in talks to potentially join a TBT team this summer. Really cool stuff. Glad he's been able to get back on track and just continuing to pursue his passions. And I'm glad him and his dad have regained their full health and are doing better. Appreciate him coming on the show and not holding back and uh, wish him the best of luck going forward. As for the podcast, again, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it, repost it, retweet it from the Walkie Talkie socials at WTZ Podcast. It's a really big help for the show to be found by others who may also enjoy hearing stories and journeys such as these, so I would really appreciate that if you guys could go and do that for me. Also, if you've enjoyed or even if you absolutely hated the episode, no problem. How about you just drop us a review and tell us about it. Tell us how you feel. We'd love the feedback. And lastly, make sure you are subscribed to Walkie Talkie's podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or whichever app you listen to your podcast on so you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you all for tuning in, and I'm excited to share next week's episode with you all and continuing to share the journeys and stories and inspiration of walk-on athletes, underdog athletes, all around the world so thank you all again and just remember walkie talkies podcast has been a presentation of iHeartRadio and the college athletes network at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.